This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I can't remember the last time that a North Carolina team made their bones on the defensive end. That's not to say that North Carolina teams in the past have not played good defense, because that would be a lie. There have been good defensive teams at UNC. Uh, in their At their best, I believe UNC's best defense really was scaring the hell out of you offensively to the point where, oh my gosh, if we don't score all these points, we have no chance to win, which actually makes it a little tougher on you because it ratchets up the pressure. But I think this team, I think this team is built on the defensive end. First, they can win games like they did uh, at Clemson holding the Tigers to 55 points. I thought their their defense was the number one reason why they won at NC State. Brian Geisinger, our ACC basketball maven, who joins us every Friday, is joining us now on the Adam Gold Show. Can you remember the last time North Carolina was defense first? That's probably been a, a little bit. I still think I'd, I'd push back a little bit on, on this UNC team being uh defense first they're pretty good on both ends Um, i'm not knocking their offense i just think the defense is the best part of them it it might be which is i mean it's a little interesting because if you think about them from a personnel standpoint their best lineup right now you know is not the the biggest lineup right like it's it's harrison ingram at the four um it's two small guards with rj davis and elliot cadeau um and then armando baycott you know, anchoring the defense. And he's turned into be like, I think under Hubert Davis, Armando has turned into being a pretty good, like defensive anchor. They use him in a lot of drop coverage, mm-hmm. which means when they're guarding pick and roll, Armando Baycott is usually several steps below the level of the screen. Um, and when they get those screens on the side, UNC is going to try to ice or down them to keep the action on that side of the court. So it's just like real sort of fundamental pick and roll defense and keeping your biggest guy in the paint and then having your guards and your wings work hard to get over screens so they can stay attached to the ball handler when they come off the screen and there isn't a screen defender right there. Cause again, Baycott's in the paint. I do think um, it's probably flown a little under the radar, but like Cormac Ryan was a defensive stopper, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe, maybe stopper is like an extreme use, but like <laughs> he was basically the best perimeter defender the last few years at Notre Dame under Mike Bray. So like, well, that's, that's like saying I'm the tallest guy in my family, Brian. (laughs) Fair, but that's, but that's, but that's a deep, it's a, you gotta, gotta, your, your family's shorter than UNC's backcourt called. Um, But you've got a, uh, but with that, you've got a guy that's like knows how to play a couple different coverage types. And you've got a guy that's also pretty good at at uh, working hard to get over screens without fouling, which like that was a huge part. That was like the fundamental principle of Mike Bray's defense was no stupid fouls. Um, and I think that probably flew under the radar a little bit with the addition of Ryan was that like UNC right. went out and got like a pretty good wing defender. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because their lineup flexibility is different now with Withers. You know, you know, he came off the bench against State, didn't play all that much. Teams are not having to guard him when he's spaced out at the four. Um, and so by, by, by moving Ingram to from the three to the four, then UNC can, uh, you know, has a better half-court offense. 
offensive lineup on the court, and it can still obviously control the glass with uh, with Ingram and Baycott. I also like Trimble um, and, and the way they have deployed yeah, him defensively. Yeah. Uh, and I think, look, maybe I'm overselling it. Because it wouldn't be the first time that I've done that, where I where I latch on to something that I believe to be true and then drive it home. I am I am going to turn the narrative into this North Carolina team is a gritty team, right? Again, uh, uh, this is not something that we are normally used to. Normally, it's pretty offense. How do you keep up with them scoring? Keep going fast. Keep going fast. Get out and run. Uh, and you know we'll do the best we can defensively. Somebody's going to go. Uh, for a career high from three-point range against them normally. Uh, but I just think that they have yeah. so many ways to stop you, whether it's uh, – and they're not a great offensive rebounding team either. That's the thing. They're okay, well, it's, yeah, but it's not what that, it's not their specialty like it normally is. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. And just, just real quickly, first off, yeah, I like Trimble a lot. He's, like, really important for them just in terms of, like, a length athleticism standpoint in the backcourt. Like, they really need him. Um, and he's a solid, like, you know, third guard off the bench. Um, but, yeah, usually when I think when you think of UNC as being, like, gritty, because I think of their 2017 title team as being that. But it was mash you on the offensive glass. It was yeah. an offensive rebound. You know, they're going to rebound 40-whatever percent of their misses. This season, they're under 33%. Yeah. They really only have one guy that hits the glass, and that's Baycott. Um, he's an elite offensive rebounder. And also, he's very good at drawing fouls and, like, his ability to draw fouls is huge for them in terms of the half court offense. Um, he's really the one guy that can do that at a, at a, like a high clip. Um, NC state's best low post guy, DJ Burns is he's incredible. He's a, he's a huge talent, but, but Baycott draws many almost draws fouls at a rate that's almost double Burns. That's because <laughs> like, he's a guy that plays, he plays physical going towards right. the rim. Whereas DJ is incredible. He's sort of best by throwing in like weird hook shots and, you know, flinging out skip passes and doing those kinds of things. According to Bart Torvik, North Carolina's defense, adjusted defensive efficiency, better than their offense. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, compare size of uh, basketball brains uh, because I cannot compete with yours, Brian. Uh, but <laughs> I, I would only, I would only say, <laughs> My guess is that opponents won't shoot 29% on threes all season against UNC. And at right. some point, that number will jump up a little bit. And that <laughs> defensive efficiency will probably – like some of this is just like, you know, is shooting luck to an extent. But no, they they played a great defensive game against State. But NC State missed how many open looks on spot-up threes that, that Burns kicked out to last night. Like if, a, if three – or not, two nights ago. And if two of right. those or three more of those go in, it, it totally flips the game. So let so. me ask you about the game because this is the way I I looked at it. Because I've I've said this for you've heard me say this. I think great defense is has a cumulative effect. That if if I'm defending you well, uh, seven straight possessions, maybe I slip up on the eighth, but because I have defended you so well, you're sped up a little bit. I felt like NC State played the first 10 or 11 minutes of the second half when the game was there. They could have they could have had a more positive impact on the way that game was ultimately going to play out. And state just rushed everything. They were not in balance when they uh when they took shots. Some good shots were just hoisted up early in shot clocks. And I wouldn't even call them good shots. I would call them acceptable shots uh or open shots, but 
they were not in rhythm. I thought they were rushed the entire second half, and they gave away some opportunities that they normally wouldn't have. I think that was a lot had a lot to do with uh, UNC's defense. I'm going to keep trying to sell this line, uh, Brian. I appreciate <laughs> no. you uh, you sticking to your guns. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. Like I'm I'm with you. But like it and in in, in in like early in the early in the second half to the point of being sped up, there was an exchange probably about four or five minutes. I think UNC was up probably five or seven points, something like that. State played probably its best defensive possession of the game. Just like a perfect, you know, 25 to 30 seconds worth of defense. UNC misses a shot. State runs the ball down, drag screen action. DJ Burns seals and, you know, either Horn or Taylor throws it to him in the post. And DJ Burns has, who played, I thought he played pretty well offensively the other night. Um, he misses a layup that he probably makes goal probably like yeah. 98 out of 100 times. And then UNC rebounds the miss. They go down. R.J. Davis, you know, trains a three. Yeah. Um, Pull up three. It was a five-point swing. A five-point swing in the span of, uh, you know, 10, 15 seconds. And that was one of those moments where it's just like, man, if State's going to actually, you know, pull off the upset tonight, you just can't have. Like, that was such a huge, like, leverage hinge moment of the game. Um, I think my biggest gripe with, like, in term- with State in terms of, like, their managing of pace in that game, though, was it took State so long. I think it was probably seven or eight minutes into the game before they threw out their first press. They yeah. were not – and part of that was they weren't making shots. Yeah. But they, like, weren't ready for UNC to, to, to get to the secondary break and push after misses. And, like, that's just something – I look, it's, it's tough to stop, and UNC's got great guards, and, but you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just – it seemed like something that, that State wasn't ready for. Um, and it's a, it's a nice counter that UNC has because, like, NC State presses a lot. They use the press to force a lot of turnovers or to force teams to play late into the shot clock. And then they can run off those those plays, and like State's not a great half court offense, um, especially when the jumpers aren't falling. And so they need that transition game that's juiced up by the press, and they just it didn't really hit the other night. I agree, a hundred percent agree. See, we found we found agreement. Um, all right, Perfect. as I as I transition to do, we have a, just a few more minutes left. Um, I, and but I'm going to tack on one more North Carolina thing here as we get to Duke. R.J. Davis. To me, the difference, like, that game was defined by one team had R.J. Davis and the other didn't because I think he does so many things at important times. That three that you mentioned, I before it left his hand, I was watching it with, uh, with my 15-year-old, and I'm like, this is in. You know, yeah. you can tell <laughs> yeah. when he is about to make that shot, uh, and he can beat you in, di- in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, Davis or Kyle Filipowski right now, who is the ACC's player of the year? Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. 
It, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's Filipowski, um, pretty convincingly, and that's nothing against RJ right. Davis. Like, I think he's been the the you know one A one B best guard in the league, along with maybe Judah Mintz mm-hmm. up at uh, up at Syracuse. And I thought Elliot Cadeau played awesome for UNC. He that did. was maybe the best game he's had as a uh, as a Tar Heel. But no, Filipowski, in for the simple reason that. He is doing something that I don't think anyone else in the country is doing where he is orchestrating Duke's half-court offense from every spot on the court as a seven-foot center, whether it's the high post at the elbow, it's above the break on pick and pops, it's in the post and him having to like work around double teams and an opponent's uh, sagging off Mark Mitchell and like what he's doing, mapping the floor and spraying passes around uh, often for Jared McCain threes or to Mark Mitchell in the dunks, dunker spot for a finish at the rim. But it's not just that. Duke's now probably top, I would guess, top 12, top 15 in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. And he's anchoring the defense for them. It's the rebounds. It's the rim protection. The the the, the, sh- the block numbers are up. He's still getting steals yeah. at, a, at a high rate this year too, uh, which is part of his game. He gets a lot of deflections, and those can often translate into steals. But I think I brought this up last Friday, Gold. Like, they're able to guard pick and roll every different way they need to be able to do it. And it's because of Filipowski. He can switch out onto opposing guards like he did against Bub Carrington, who's an NBA mm-hmm. player for Pittsburgh. He can be in the drop. He can be up at the level. He can hedge. He's just doing everything for them. He's, he's expending a ton of energy on both sides of the court. I just don't think anyone's being asked to totally, like, carry an offense and anchor a defense and the way that Filipowski is, and he's doing that in putting up monster, monster numbers at super high efficiency. Like, I think he's the, the player of the year in the country, personally. Maybe. Um, so just beyond the ACC. But but Davis is awesome, too. And and look, you know, Baycott has probably like an outside shot at, at player of the year from like a statistical standpoint as well. Yeah, if, uh, if if it comes down to stats, I just I don't know how you're going <laughs> to top uh, Kyle Filipowski. He's uh, insane. He dude. does everything. Uh, <laughs> He's insane. And, and watching him go four for four from deep at Pitt, I and, and I know they mentioned it. Yeah. I don't know how you deal with that as an opposing defense if he is going to pick and then pop out to the three point yeah. line and knock you, that down. You 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 can you can tr- you can try to switch. But then you're going to put a guard on him, and he's going to just maul that person in the post. Like he's <laughs> he's a total matchup destroyer. Like he's he's a he's a, no. he is absolutely a problem because he's huge. He can shoot. He can really pass, and he's and he can dribble. He, he just he scores from everywhere. Like they use him the way that like they would use Ben Caro if they played Paolo at like small ball center more that season. But like he's being applied in very similar ways. And Jared McCain is shooting high, a high percentage from three. So is Jeremy Roach. Filipowski, I mean, they shot a high percentage from three against Pitt. So uh, they were eight <laughs> yeah. of 14 in the first half at that. And, you know, it's, it's weird. Uh, we have to, well, we're going to close on this and apologize for other things that we didn't get to today, but we'll get to them uh, next week. We're going to do this every Friday with Brian. Um, the, uh, the, the margin that they created the score, the the margin in the game, which ended the game to me was their defense was great, but that's not a 48 23 game at the half unless they go bonkers from three point range. And it was really mm-hmm. over at halftime. Uh, so yeah. I, in some ways it was, it was deceiving, even though Duke was so much better, that score could have been way worse than it actually was. 
Um, I'm, I'll be curious to see if they can do that again without destroying the Nets from three-point range. Because uh, hmm. they're not going to be you know, a, a 70% three-point shooting team. So. Yeah, but I mean, but you can go to the game right before that on the road at Notre Dame. Right, Proctor doesn't score. Jared McCain has an off game until he gets like a little hot down the stretch. Philip Housey didn't score until the second half. Uh, they scored under one point per possession in that game. Um, they were thirteen of thirty three on twos, and they still won. Right. <laughs> like against the Notre Dame team that, like by the way, recently hasn't been too bad. Almost beat NC State, beat Virginia. Um, and just beat Georgia Tech too. So, like, I, I think they can. I think because the defense is rounding into form, and that's a huge part of Filipowski and Jared McCain also just like playing better on that side of the court. That like Duke has the ability to win ugly too. Brian Geisinger, twenty four seven Sports Buzzbeat Podcast at B Geis underscore Bird. Talk to you next week, my man. Have a good weekend, you guys. You got it. More great news for carry commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away.